Hi. Hi, Mitch. My name is Mitch Croker, uh, and welcome to our first ever episode of the LGMC podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by none other than our dear pastor, Andrew Hawk. Uh, so to start off, Andrew, I'm just going to ask you a few get-to-know-you questions. Go for it. Uh, so first of all, uh, we all should know by now that you are one of the pastors here at Level Ground. But how long have you been here, mm. and what were you doing before this? Mm, good question. Okay, so I started on staff at Level Ground in September 2017, I believe, part-time. Uh, and then I've just uh, didn't been working ever since here, just in different various roles. Before that, I was uh, sometimes a student at Axe, and I was sometimes a carpenter. I was doing that for a few years, just back and forth, depending on uh, the bank account, pretty much. And before that, I was pastoring. So I was at a church here in Abbotsford for about nine years doing young adults and youth ministry. So you are also a family man. Uh, what has been one highlight of your summer with your family so far? Oh, man, we just uh, were talking uh, before recording here. One of the highlights, it's just been uh, hitting up the beach. Kids are a little bit older. We've been going to Jericho Beach on my day off, and it's been lots of fun. Just playing in the waves, grabbing shells, getting sun, digging holes. Uh, yeah, that's great. It's nice that the beach is something we can still do yeah, in uh, pandemic life. Okay, so the last question and possibly the most important, uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh, Star Wars, not even close. Okay, perfect. Uh, we can continue then. Uh, so now that these are out of the way, uh, we're going to move on to kind of our main topic of the day, which is quarantine in the church. So COVID-19 has rattled the normal routines of the global population, and uh, Christians attending church have not been exempt from this uprooting of routine. Since January of 2009, Level Ground Mennonite Church has been meeting weekly on Sunday mornings for a time of community, worship, and teaching. But as April and Easter rolled around this year, the global pandemic of COVID-19 sent the entire level ground community home to spend time away from the office, away from stores, uh, schools, and also the church. So as we're recording this in July of 2020, it's been about three and a half months since the church has been together physically in the same room as a large community. And as there is still little knowledge on how, when, or even if we will all be back together in the same style of worship on a Sunday morning, we have to seek different ways to define the word church. So pretty much what uh, today is going to look like is I just have a few questions uh, of discussion. Uh, so we're just going to jump right into it. So the timing of this pandemic could not have been more inconvenient as it happened right before Easter, which is arguably the most important holiday for the church. So Andrew, I'll just get you to take us through the emotions of having to cancel in-person services and switch to recorded sermons online. Yeah, you said there in that introduction, it's been three and a half months and simultaneously I had two thoughts in my brain. Has it been that long? Because uh, it feels longer, but it also feels shorter. Wow. Um, three and a half months. I'm still trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah. So one of the first, I mean, the first major event um, of the Christian calendar that we had to essentially cancel or do differently was Easter, even though we had missed a few services before that. Mm -hmm. Um and I think the services before that in many ways helped um, coach me or get me through some of the emotions that were definitely tied to doing Easter gatherings differently. Um, we joke sometimes around here as staff that one of the first decisions we made after Karen left was that we canceled or postponed her uh, celebration, <laughs> uh, which is kind of morbid. 
yeah. um, and very sad um, because, yeah, she she resigned end of February. And then two weeks into March, we had to um, say no to her celebration service because it was going to be a gathering of mm-hmm. like 400 people. And it was supposed to be a happy time, not a time where people are supposed to avoid each other. Right. And uh, we were really wrestling through that one as staff and you know, very happy that, you know, Karen spoke into it and gave her thoughts to the matter. And uh, ultimately, we were happy with the decision we made because after we made the decision, it was within a, a day or two that Bonnie Henry said that mm. we weren't have gatherings of that size anyways. So yeah, then it just kind of snowballed and, and uh, built momentum from there. Um, we kind of had a sense that we wouldn't be able to do Easter the same way. And for a few weeks, we you know brainstormed how we could do Easter differently, but still see one another. Um, maybe still gather in some way on the property. That Easter service was kind of the first time where some stuff really started to hit me. Mm. Um, you know, we like I said, we had made some decisions beforehand that were yeah. kind of agonizing and stressful. But um, not being together for Easter, that sucked. If mm. uh, that's that's just it was just hard. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember trying to brainstorm ways and having to kind of get to this point of uh, acceptance, reluctant mm. resignation yeah. to saying, no, we can't. You know, we have to honor what our health leaders are saying to us. We have to, you know, abide by the spirit and not try to find loopholes and right. just keep our nation, keep our people safe. Mm-hmm. And we had to let go of some things. And that was that was a hard grieving process, letting go of things. Um it's a gathering point for our faith. Like you said, it's it's the biggest part of our church calendar. Right, yeah. And so, yeah, after passing around a few ideas of what it could look like differently, uh, we just went back to what we have been doing ever since, uh, mm-hmm. recording video messages. And um, so, yeah, some of the emotions, it was very surreal. You know, um, most Sundays... Um, for about a month or so, I would still come to the church and okay. record or, yeah. or work out of the office. And so Easter morning, I was here and mm. it, it was difficult. Yeah. It wasn't fun being here on an Easter morning and, and being in the building. And um, I think that's part of my grieving and uh, adapting and letting go process. Was I think it was important for me to be here. Right. And um, yeah, just being here with an empty building, an empty parking lot, um, I recorded the video message. I think that might have actually been my first video message. I had done some video work before that during the pandemic, but everything, you know, message wise or devotional wise was more or less written up to Easter. And Easter is kind of our inaugural video message, which is the rhythm that we've been maintaining ever since. And so uh, there's nerves related to that. Um, You know, you have to kind of like override some of the stress and the weirdness of it all, the grief of it all. And absolutely put on a, a cheerful disposition, <laughs> an inviting disposition, um, because you you want to be able to be authentic, but you also don't want to be a Debbie Downer. You want to, you know, name reality, but you also want to be a source of encouragement and comfort. And right. so that was some of the stuff that uh, I was processing, you know, the days up to Easter and, and Easter morning. Um, hmm. But uh, yeah, so that's some of the stuff there. I, I'm trying to remember if there's other questions that you're building off of that or if you just were talking specifically about Easter. Yeah. So, um, I mean, you had, you had mentioned that kind of Easter was the first main video message that you've done. We've yeah, kind of been continuing that throughout this pandemic. Yep. Uh, so do you feel like it has gotten easier to record video messages? Mm. Is it still a challenge? Um, yeah. Kind of take us through, yeah, through your question. process. 
Yeah, I think in some ways, you know, canceling in-person gatherings was um, difficult, but not stressful because the decision was made for us. Mm. Um, So maybe that nuance is helpful. But um, trying to figure out what to do next in a world where there is actually still lots of options. Um, That discernment process was difficult and it was a matter of, you know, talking to our staff team, what we felt comfortable that we could commit to and sustain, you know, talking with our leadership team, involving our our lead team and our care team and our junior group leaders, um, talking to other people in the congregation. What were some things that, you know, could help us stay connected, help us to keep open lines of communication. Mm. Um, what were the ways that we could engage and participate in each other's lives? Um, despite the fact that we were going to be just more or less for a few weeks, which ended up being a few months, uh, just more or less staying within our households. Yeah. Um, I did mention, um, or at least I caught myself. And I think I've mentioned to a few people in the in the last couple of weeks that recording videos is actually getting a little bit harder for me, mm. and I don't know why. Uh, it might be um, more of just uh, you know a perseverance thing where yeah. something's new and you get excited about something new and you have lots of energy at the beginning for a mm. big push. Yeah, I know that. You know about that yeah. feeling? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. And so now it's kind of the monotony and the rhythm, and because it does take a whole lot of get up and go to. Uh, psych yourself up to do a video message because it doesn't feel congruent. Yeah. Um, in the sense that you're like, no, um, a sermon, my personal opinion here, a sermon is an in-person embodied experience. Mm. Even if it's a small group or a sanctuary, if it's outdoors, it doesn't matter. That's kind of my vibe. That's kind of where I land. And so to, um, do it uh, video only is weird, you know, in a, in a room by myself is weird. And, um, you know, we spend most of our lives being aware of our body language and what mm. that looks like in person, but now having to be thinking about a whole different layer of things. Okay. What, what am I communicating through a screen? Having to be more intentional right. about my, my face, my hands act, you know, hand actions, that kind of yeah. thing. Um, it's just another thing to think about. And, you know, talking to other pastors, uh, I know I'm not alone talking that, that this is another thing that they are feeling. It actually takes more work. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, even though it's digitally convenient for, yeah. for other people to receive on my end, on the producing side of things, it actually takes more work mm. because the sermon prep time itself takes the amount of time, yeah. but rather than just say preaching and being done in 15 or 20 minutes, mm-hmm. I may have a bunch of setup responsibilities. Right. I have a bunch of recording and then editing potentially and, you know, publishing online responsibilities. Um, when it's in person, there's an element of just being spontaneous and unpolished, and that's okay. Yeah. People can roll with it. But when it's a packaged into digital content, people want genuine, but mm. they also it's also harder if you start stumbling and blanking out, and you're like, yeah. where's my notes, that kind of stuff. And you kind of have to either edit that out or start from the beginning. Yeah. So yeah, even talking to other pastors, it's kind of like they're frustrated that sometimes even something that might be only three minutes long can take hours to put mm, together just yeah. depending on the the nature of the setup, but also just our disposition, like how we're feeling, because it does create a different layer of stress and anxiety when we're doing something recorded as, mm. as opposed to being in person. So it's been getting a little bit harder. Am I grateful for the technology? A hundred percent. Like, um, so grateful that, uh, we can stay connected and see each other's faces and hear each other's voices this yeah. way. Um, you know, we attempted, uh, I think for three months, April, May, and June, 
one time a month we did uh, something called a sharing Sunday where we, we invited people to send in video messages right. or, or yeah. written replies. And again, just a way for us as a church family to see and hear each other. And we know that, you know, that's maybe not for everyone mm-hmm. that like me, a lot of people might be feeling, hey, this is weird. This is hard. I'm right. a big fan of recording myself. Yeah. But I'm glad we have the technology because it it means a lot to get video updates from people, to see each other's faces, to hear from each other. And so yeah. we're going to continue plugging away at the video stuff because it is important, but we are not, um, say, locked into it. Like right. the nature of the pandemic, the nature of the seasons, the nature of our church family, so many moving pieces. And we have to be on our toes in the sense of being willing to adapt as necessary and continue to be resilient and creative. Hmm. So. Those are some of my rambling thoughts there, man. Yeah, no, it's good. So so the Sunday morning element of the church has has moved online, uh, for better or for worse, in yep. some aspects. Um, but instead of focusing on, on the negatives of the situation, uh, what are some ways that you have seen the church, not necessarily the Sunday morning church, right. uh, in your life outside of, of the level ground building here? Yeah, I mean, and that could be answered in a couple different ways. Um when I saw this question, the first thing I thought of is uh, how on a personal level, I feel more connected to the church at large than ever before. Mm. Um, So one practice we have done in MCBC is throughout the pandemic, the pastors have been meeting once a week via Zoom. Okay. Up to this point, we were only meeting once a month in person. And the in Zoom meetings actually had a higher level of attendance and engagement. Yeah. Interesting. Which was awesome. Yeah. And so we get to hear what's going, how we're all doing. Like there's a bit of a personal check-in, but we're also getting to learn from other people's experiments, you know, what they're trying in their congregations and such. And so that was not only informative, it was a sense of of solidarity. And uh, I really like these people, I really like these leaders and to learn from them and be with them was really cool. Mm. And so uh, we've moved to a bit of a every second week now here in summer. And I'm really grateful for that yeah. time of connection. Um, so that was really one one of the positives that's come out for me. Um, kind of related to that is just so many excellent resources were being released online. Mm, like everyone yeah. wants to help one another feels like. So whether it's free content or paid content, there's good stuff that's being made right. available. Yeah. Lots of teaching, you know, through webinars and online classes and such. And again, through those means, um, we're not we're not stuck to see things only in our world. We get to see what other churches around Canada and the U S are doing. And, uh, that's really exciting to see how, you know, the church as a general is responding to the pandemic. So that's one of the positives I've seen, um, kind of touched on it already, but like this strange sense of solidarity, like mm, we're all in this yeah. together. Like it's not just a level ground thing. It's not just an Abbotsford or BC Canada thing. It's a worldwide thing. And, um, we as a church haven't had, a solidarity moment like this in decades, maybe, yeah. right? Um, that all around the world, we're, we're kind of dealing with the same thing. And and that can be really good. That can be really good to draw unity from and momentum from and vision from. But in one sense, also that, that sense of solidarity can be pretty fragile. Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't nurture it and don't take care of it, you know, it can devolve into um, fragmentation if we don't, you know, develop deep community, because right, right now we're we're experiencing solidarity, but bit of, bit of on a surface level. Mm-hmm. And that, that needs to be nurtured and continue to grow if it's going to last. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, just personally, how I've experienced also day to day, the church outside of the sanctuary, so to speak, um, 
Marie and I, we love connecting with people at our home. Yeah. Um, we're social beings. Um, even though I'm an introvert, I love being with people. And uh, it's taken some adjustments, of course. We can't literally hang out with people mm-hmm. in our house. Yeah. But we love catching up with people on our deck, in our yard, over the fence, whatever it takes, yeah. right? Um, so that's a lot of what we do. Uh, we have people, you know, we're connecting with people physically distant, you know, almost every day of the week, it feels mm, like. Yeah. And that's been really cool. Um, so, you know, we even went as far as, you know, let's get a propane camp stove set up on mm-hmm. our deck. Let's get uh, a shelter popped up there so that we can hang out outside no matter what the weather, if it's yeah, cold or awesome. wet. And so, yeah, that's the kind of stuff we're doing. And we just chill and we talk for hours with these folks and check in with each other, see how we're doing mentally, spiritually, socially. Mm. Um, you know, we have a, you know, a bring your own supper planned with uh, a family f- that uh, we love and know uh, yeah. later on this week. And so that's one of the things that, um, you know, very tangible way that we've been being the church and enjoying the church outside of, uh, you know, that Sunday morning rhythm. And um, I've, the last thing I'll just say here, as you get a rambling, disconnected thread, uh, thread of thoughts. Yeah, it's um, perfect. You know, going to, I guess maybe, you know, what's been replacing that Sunday morning rhythm for us has been, you know, these video messages, the at-home guides, um, the children's ministry Zoom Mm. that our our team has been providing. Um, Marie and I have really enjoyed um, gathering with our kids. And so it's it's interesting because we're a young family. The children's ministry component has been the focal point or the gathering point for our Sunday morning rhythms. And it's been really cool. It's been, it's been great watching videos together with them and, you know, leading them through discussion. And the other thing we do is we worship together. So, Mm. um, yeah, Marie can play piano. I can play ukulele. We bought ourselves a glockenspiel oh, yeah. during pandemic because we were like, hey, we're going to be home for a while. Let's get some more instruments rolling. Yeah. So uh, one of the girls will play on the glockenspiel or someone will, someone will play on the djembe. Yeah. A girl or two will dance. That's how they participate. And we just uh, play a couple songs together. Oh, that's really cool. And so that's been a really meaningful way to be the church. Yeah. Um, obviously, we miss seeing people and being with people in large group gatherings. Yeah. But we've been finding as a household, you know, just being a church as a household has been really powerful and and really meaningful. Hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Level Ground uh, has had quite a few resources. Uh, We talked about the the at-home guides and the the Sunday morning services and stuff. Um, What would you suggest would be kind of like the best way to stay in touch, not necessarily with uh, yeah, I guess necessarily with, with level ground as, right. as a community, what, what would you suggest would be the best way to kind of stay involved or, or continue to be the church? Ooh, good question. How to continue to be level ground. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I touched on uh, Hebrews 10 a couple weeks ago. Don't give up the habit of meeting with one another. Mm-hmm. And I think I would encourage people to continue to find ways to connect if it has to be remote, if it has to be through phone or Zoom or, or text, you know, that counts. That that yeah. that matters. If you're comfortable, you know, meeting with people in parks or backyards, you know, that counts. That matters, too. Right. And, you know, um, there we all are feeling it. We're all feeling the need for that social and spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. And we also at the same time recognize that we have our own limits as far as like initiating and engaging and getting over that hump has yes. been pretty hard. No and kidding. so, you know, be gentle and gracious with yourself, but also, you know, when you can, 
uh, give yourself a kick in the pants to yeah. make that phone call, to send that text, um, to connect with someone for a walk or a coffee on a park bench, that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, it's that in-person stuff that we're craving and, um, you know, emails are great. You know, staying in touch with people through the church emails has been helpful. Staying in touch with, you know, the prayer requests that come through is helpful. Um, you know, video messages, if people want to engage that way, mm-hmm. uh, the at-home guides, if, if people want more of a participatory level of engagement rather than just a click and listen kind of engagement. Um, Those have been good. Um, You know, one of the best ways to be the church is to be active in some way. Mm. So to gather with some like-minded folks and, and maybe there's a need that you're aware of locally, personally, that sort of thing, and go live out that need. I've been loving hearing the stories that come out. Um, I think of our coffee connections group, and how they've been meeting for just over a month now, I think, but how that group is really galvanized, not only because they're meeting together, you know, physically distant, trying to stay outside, that kind of Mm -hmm. thing, but they're also serving together. And I think Mm. those two components side by side are really powerful. So they have become a a street dinner team. And so, you know, they get together to prepare a meal and to deliver the meal, clean up afterwards, and then share that meal together yeah. just as a group. And I think mm. it's really powerful that that's, that meets a deep need and that keeps you connected. Um, I remember uh, a couple weeks ago, someone posted on Facebook that this has that became a, a church gathering for them because yeah. it was so special that way. So those are some of the things that come off the top of my mind when uh, you asked me that question. Yeah, so it, it kind of leads into our, our third and, and final kind of discussion question. Um, which is the church of the living, uh, as the living body of believers, is not bound by the walls of a church building. So, what elements of being the church outside of the building are you most excited for moving forward? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I think of that question in in. I think almost before I answer that question, I think of two things. I think of how um, there's things I can get excited about but recognize that um, getting through this pandemic is mm. not going to be linear. So it feels like we've gained some momentum yep. and we've gained some ground over the last yep. couple months. And then you can turn on the news this weekend. Yes. You're like, man, BC, you're, you're not doing as good as you yeah, were. I'm suddenly through. nervous again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And like, and then you look at other provinces, you're like, Oh, Alberta, that's not good. Yep. Ontario, that's really bad. And so you don't want to get stuck in this doom cycle. Mm-hmm. You want momentum. You want to be moving steadily in one direction, but also recognizing that this is going to be a bit of a wave right? and trying to figure out what that wave looks like and, and riding it well. Um, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're doing a marathon with the lights out or mm. we're not even sure what the final destination is. And yeah. so that's where it can get really hard. But I don't think that should paralyze us or discourage us. It just means that we have to be careful and be nimble and be creative in, in how we roll with things. Mm. Um and I will get to the, your your question because it's a good question. But when I reread this question yesterday, I was just reminded of how uh, the last message Karen preached mm. was on how disorientation is a gift. And jeez, uh, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, seems almost prophetic. Yeah, now. no kidding. Um, and so I just have to chuckle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's it's one way of of God kind of like preparing the table, so to speak. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, like disruption disorientation is a gift if we're willing to receive it Mm. and you know there has been some good things that have come out of it and it's interesting you know there's good things that we before there's things that are good 
that we would have avoided before this, but now we're recognizing they're good. So an example would be like lament. Lament is a good thing. Yeah. But in many parts of the Western church, lament had been, you know, dropped out of our communal and personal mm. practices. But all of a sudden, all at once, we're dealing with like a huge level of grief and anxiety and change and loss. And it opened the door for us to practice lament communally yes. and personally. And so like, wait, that's a good thing. It's a bad thing. But it's a very important thing. Like that's yeah. that's a big part of our faith. That's a big part of the story of scripture to embrace lament. Mm. And um, so that was something that, uh, you know, an example of, of the gift of disruption. Um, you know, uh, a pandemic that changes so much uh, forces us to be creative. Yeah, absolutely. You know, things that forces us to get... Uh, out of our normal rhythms that we've maybe just lived to very passively, you know, almost like we've turned our brain off for the last few generations. And, you know, we now have to pioneer new ways mm-hmm. of practicing our faith. And I think that's exciting. Um, yes. And so, you know, one thing that I've, I've been thinking of recently in our, in our most recent uh, series is this idea of postures and practices. Mm. Uh, it's some, it's lingo that gets thrown out there. And, you know, the short version of what postures and the definition of postures and practices is, is practices are the things we do Mm. and postures is how we do it. Like the spirit, we do it maybe, you know, so postures is more like our disposition, Mm -hmm. um, our spirit, our attitude practices are the actual events or actions. And, um, I've been thinking about how, you know, our postures inform our practices, right? So like this, you know, posture of like, uh, meeting together. That's, that's a posture. Mm -hmm. I think that's an attitude we're supposed to maintain. Let's meet together. And so we've adopted the, we adopt a practice of meeting together on a Sunday morning at 1030 AM. Yeah. And when a practice becomes repeated, you know, there's, there's a rhythm to it Mm -hmm. and it becomes, uh, something we do frequently, it creates patterns and pathways, which are not bad. Patterns yeah. and pathways are helpful. They're yeah. good. And what we're experiencing now is the disruption of those patterns and mm. pathways, you know, and some patterns and pathways become ruts yeah. that we just get stuck in and we're comfortable in those ruts and we don't really know of any other way to live out a certain practice because mm. we've just always done this certain pattern or we've always lived into a certain path. Yeah. But now with the pandemic, you know, that rhythm of meeting every Sunday morning, that, that pattern that's been taken away from us, mm. but the practice and the posture hasn't. Mm-hmm. We just have to go back and think, okay, now we can't practice this way, yeah. but that posture and practice is still important. So Absolutely. what does that mean? And so I've been excited to hear, you know, different ways people are, you know, very practically trying to live out what it means to meet together when we can't get together as one church family on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. So hearing, you know, from a couple different, you know, family units at level ground, how they're meeting with multiple generations. So yeah. like, it's like an extended family getting together on a Sunday morning because they're all a part of their social bubble. Mm-hmm. And whether they're participating in level ground material or a different church family's material, I love the fact that this is like multiple generations, yeah. one big family unit getting together, gathering around Jesus. Mm. That's cool. And, uh, want to see more of that. I get excited when I hear of uh, one of our journey groups that, you know, they all listen to the sermon in their households on Sunday. And yeah. when they get together over Zoom Monday night, they talk about it. They take mm. the at-home requ- at home guide and the reflection questions and develop their own stuff and let the conversation just go. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful and uh, something that I get excited about when I think about the church living outside 
its walls. I mean, mm. we've had sermon series in the past about being the church outside the sanctuary, yeah. and now we have to live it out. Yes. You know, we frequently say that worship is more than singing, and now we have to live it yeah, out. Yeah, you literally have to practice what you preach. We at have this to point. literally yeah. practice what we preach, and that can be daunting, but I think it's exciting. Like, um, I don't, you know, there's an element of being prepared to fail. And I think in the church in general, we have to, you know, create a culture or safety net. We're like, Hey, you know what? We're in a season where we're going to have to experiment a lot and allow things to go wrong because Mm -hmm. the experiment just doesn't land. And that's okay. We just can't, we just can't sit back cautiously and not be afraid to try something. There's, there's obviously like physical safety to be mindful of, but like, let's try, let's experiment. Let's see what happens. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. That's okay. Um, But right now, you know, we're forced to live into rhythms that are small and simple. Mm. so that we can remain safe and sustainable. And I think that's a good thing. Um, It allows us to grow deep because I think um, the depth of our growth can often be limited by how committed the the size of our committed group Mm. is. And so when we start forming smaller groups that are smaller committed circles, that group can actually grow deeper. And that's a good thing, right? Um, It forces us to be local, you know, rather than gathering at one property at one address every Sunday morning, level ground is scattered throughout the valley. Mm. And that's really cool. Like that's a great metaphor. Instead of the seed kind of all coming to one address here on King Road every Sunday morning, instead that that seed is being planted and cultivated and nurtured in Mm. communities all around the valley. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, really important for us to be level grounds outside these these walls. Um, So yeah, that's that's some of the stuff I get excited about. That's Um, awesome. I remember hearing for on and off for the last decade how through church history, the church in general faces like a huge seismic shift every Mm. 500 years. And I'm not Mm -hmm. sure if you've heard things like that before. And, uh, you know, it felt like some people were kind of like just waiting on Mm tiptoes for like, when's it going to drop? Something big's going to happen, you know, and, and it was just great. And there's a lot of like mini movements and a lot of things that have happened over the years that have been good or bad, depending on your take on things. But I'm like, yeah, this pandemic might be that thing. It might be that thing that one thing since, you know, the Reformation mm-hmm. that really in a good way rattles how the, the church is the church. Yeah. And we shouldn't be afraid of that. We can mm-hmm. lean into it and find the good in it. Um, you know, uh, it does force us to examine what does it mean to participate in a church, right? Um, it's no longer about attending a gathering. Yeah. That used to be one of the metrics that we use to, you know, measure our faithfulness or mm. our committedness, right? Mm-hmm. Do, do we show up regularly? Do we yeah. give regularly? Um, well, we have to go back to the drawing board and like, okay, we have to come up with together as level ground, but also church in general. What does it mean to participate in the church? What does yeah. it mean to be the church? And maybe we can find a healthier, more accurate metric mm. for measuring what it means to be the church. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, so as we have a, a few minutes left here, I have two final quick questions. Go for it. Uh, that I will be asking you. I don't know if I actually send these to you, but I like to keep people on their toes. Um, so the first one is, what has been the hardest part for you during the global <coughs> pandemic? And feel free to go as in-depth or as not in-depth right. as you as you feel. Hardest part of the global pandemic. Um <clears throat> There's probably three things to touch on. I mean, and I'll try to be brief. I'm a planner. Mm-hmm. I do like to anticipate. That's why there's three things that's to wh- touch on. That's why yeah. there's three things to touch on because yeah, that's sense. my personality. And yeah, I can turn this into a sermon if you want to. Sure. No, yeah. I won't. No. <laughs> um, so like, you know, it's easy. 
doom scrolling, I think is a phrase that gets thrown out mm. there. And, you know, I was definitely at a certain point, um, just keeping on stats and listening to Bonnie Henry every day, yep. not because I was afraid or worried, but I wanted to plan. Yep. I wanted to discern okay. the way forward. I wanted to plan not only, you know, vocationally for, for level ground, but also for my family. Yeah. And so that's a ton of information to process. Mm-hmm. And, um, that was hard in the sense of like just discerning, you know, sometimes the contradicting messages yes. you're getting. Yeah. Um, so again, it wasn't like a big sense of dread. It was just kind of like, man, this is hard. Like what is the way forward? That kind of stuff. Mm. Um, on a vocational level, it was, uh, hard, but also strangely good. And I'll get to that. Um, it was hard knowing what it meant to be a pastor now in a pandemic. Um, so very intentionally, I, I prioritized pastoral care. Mm. It's kind of like, well, to be a shepherd is to be taking care of the people. So right. this is about phone calls and emails and, you know, video messages and mm. connecting with my leaders mm-hmm. and encouraging leaders to, you know, be intentional about the circle of people that they are connected with. Yeah. Finding the people who are marginalized who might not have natural, you know, deep relationships with people, level ground and mm. check in with them, check in with the people who are, you know, vulnerable, maybe because they're elderly or vulnerable because of health or mental health reasons and, and care for them. So that was definitely one of the things I prioritized, but it was really hard, as you can imagine, um, when the job description totally changes. Yeah. Um, you know, Curtis would be one who could attest to that because his primary job is to lead the church with mm-hmm. singing. Yeah. And that looks very different right now. We've yeah, experienced no it as staff from top to bottom. So that was definitely one of the hardest parts. Again, that was more of a, a that was a stress for sure. Yeah. And, um, but I think the hardest part actually wasn't a stress per se. Um, I think the hardest part was uh, just seeing the, the toll it takes mm. on my family, yeah. on people in general. Yeah. Um, you know, it was an, it still is, but it definitely at the beginning was a highly anxious time. Yes. And as many people just kind of stared into this void of the unknown of like, is life forever going to change? Like Mm. what is, what is up with this normal that is now Mm. all of a sudden gone? Yeah. Seeing the, the, the anxiety and the frustration it was that had on my family on my kids, my wife, um, that was a hard adjustment to take. And that, that, that hits the heart, you know, that's, that's not a stress. That's just like a deep, Oh, this sucks. That Mm -hmm. hits the heart. And I know that experience is not just my family's experience. That's been everyone's experience. And and that's been hard to adapt and and we're finding a way through it. We're finding, you know, healthy, safe, uh, social rhythms to keep us connected. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's definitely not what it was. Right. And it's still with that, invisible wall or a layer of anxiety and trying to be careful. And, you know, that can be debilitating and, and wearing us down. Um, yeah. But then um, to kind of say the flip side of, of something I addressed there, which is just kind of a weird paradox and maybe God's way of strange way of, of providing. Um, I said how it was really hard because my job description essentially got rewritten overnight. Yeah. Um, that, you know, this pandemic essentially coincides with Karen's resignation. Yeah. And, um, so my role obviously shifted in light of, uh, of Karen's resignation and it would have been pretty hard to sustain, maintain what we had been doing up to that point. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was kind of nice in some sense like, wait, you know, I didn't really know what the next few months after Karen's resignation was going to look like. 
isn't it nice that everyone's kind of feeling yeah. the exact same yeah. thing with me? And, you know, the reality is like whatever I would have had, whatever I had planned, whatever I was thinking or whatever I was leaning towards uh, in, you know, March, April, May. Yeah. Uh, that was all going to be, that was all wiped out anyways. Yeah, no kidding. So um, it was kind of God's weird way of providing mm. that uh, for some reason, even though I am a planner, um, I felt this even back in January, February, just like, hmm, I'm actually not hardcore planning into yeah. April, May. Why? <laughs> okay, it seems like the right thing not to do, yeah. which is strange. I'll just sit with it, see what happens. And then a pandemic. So I'm yeah. like, oh, okay, that's, that's why. Because yeah. I would have put in like tons of work, oh, yeah. energy and hours into yeah. a plan that would have just gone out the window anyways. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's it's one of those strange things where um, the job description that I was having through to the end of February, that was going to change anyways. Yes. So it was a strange little gift in the sense that, well, a job description really changed and that's okay. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Uh, in the last minute or two, uh, final question, flip side, what has been the best part of the global pandemic for you? Yeah. Best part. Um, it's family related. Yeah. Um, you know, I sure. I love how seeing how people are, are getting creative with how they gather for church and be the church and such. Um, but you know, if we're talking personal, it's the family. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the first few weeks of the pandemic, especially where like nothing was happening. Yeah, it was just meant being with family. We're just sitting around. We're just sitting it's around. Great. And uh, we're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and we're I playing. I caught up on sleep. That's for sure. Right. We're resting, which is so good for the soul, like yes. in mind and body. It was like a forced sabbatical, mm-hmm. and I'm like, hey, you know what? That's the strange gift of the pandemic. We're mm-hmm. resting. Um, you know, we got to play, I got to play a lot of games with the kids, which was awesome to catch up on. And not even just my immediate family, more my extended family as well. We've, we've stayed connected in many Mm. ways, much more than we were before the pandemic, you know, got a couple Facebook threads rolling, you know, email my mom, connect with her frequently. Um, even just like doing zoom calls as a family, we never really did that before. So it's Mm. like, well, this is a new normal now. Right. And so rather than seeing the faces of extended family, maybe a couple times a year because they live in different provinces, we're now doing it a little more frequently, which Mm. is, which is great for the relationship. So Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of things we wish we could change about the pandemic and undo, but the fact that, uh, I think it has really drawn my family unit closer Mm -hmm. has been really special. Yeah. Perfect. All right. Well, uh, that's kind of all we have time for. Uh, so I just want to thank you for joining me here on this first episode and I hope you, uh, had a, had a good enough time. I had a great time. If you want me to be a guest again sometime again, I'll totally do this. Absolutely. Perfect. Uh, well that's it. So we'll catch you guys, uh, next Monday where I will be sitting down, uh, with somebody else. Awesome. Thanks Mitch. This is great. This podcast is brought to you by Level Ground Mennonite Church in Abbotsford, BC. Please follow or subscribe to make sure that you don't miss a future episode. And in addition, please check us out on Instagram or Facebook under Level Ground Mennonite Church. See you next week. Stay safe.